Okay, we better get into God's Word because um, I just feel that's so important for us where we are right now. We've been seeing some incredible things in the Holy Spirit and we're so passionate about welcoming Him. Tonight we've got a Pursuing God time again at our north at 7 o'clock. And do you know, last Sunday and the Sunday before, we've had some incredible encounters. We're pressing in for more. Let me invite you to be there. Why wouldn't you want to be there? Why wouldn't you want to be part of what God's doing? But in the midst of that, it's so important that we also get shaped by the Word of God. We need a foundation which shapes us as we move forward in all the things that the Holy Spirit is releasing. And that's why it's so, so good that we believe, preach, teach, and build our lives on the Word of God. So we we love to do that. So we're continuing our series in the letter of Ephesians, where we're looking at what it means to be one new family, what it means to be the church. And you know, our vision as all nations directly flows out of what is recorded in Ephesians. It's about living out being a diverse family for the glory of God. That's what we're about. So if you're thinking we just pluck something out of the air, no, no, no. It's out the Word of God. And we are one new family because of what Jesus has done. And what we've read as we've gone through the book of Ephesians so far is that all the blessings, all the riches, all the grace in abundance that we receive, the forgiveness, the life, the inheritance, it all comes to us through Jesus Christ. We are the beneficiaries of his outrageous love towards us. And we also know that this was purposed by God our Father, and it's been signed, sealed, and guaranteed through the Holy Spirit. Jesus lived it out in accordance to the plan of the Father. He's won it all. He's victorious. Isn't that great? He's conquered over all things. And now the Holy Spirit applies that. He is Jesus alive in us right now. He's the one that comes and brings the blessings of Christ into all that we are. That's what we've been learning. That's what we've been discovering. And chapters 1 to 3 of Ephesians, which we did just before Christmas, has laid that magnificently out for us. All the blessings that we have in Christ. Chapters 4 to 6, which is what we're doing now start to unpack what that looks like in practice. If you like, the application in life of all this majestic theology. Oh, wonderful. Have we lost things? That's all right. Don't worry. It'll come back, will it? That's good. I'm pleased to hear that. Do you know what? We started a couple of weeks ago, and um, beginning of chapter 4, it says, live a life worthy of of the calling you've received. That kind of sums up what these next chapters are all about. Live a life in response to what Jesus has already done for you. Do you know all this stuff that you have received, all the stuff that we've received, it's got to make a difference in the way that we live. It's not just good for us to sit back and say, well, that was nice. No, it changes who we are. It makes a difference in the way that we live. It means that we cannot just be, as it were, those that come and sit on seats and then go home and it's as if nothing has ever happened. We're changed, church, because of what Jesus has done. And this is what these chapters in Ephesians really unpack for us. 
how it's changed, how we get to live, what that looks like in practice. And so we pick it up again in chapter 4 at verse 17. And if you've got your Bible, let me encourage you, turn to it or switch it on, whatever you've got. But let's read it together. This is the Apostle Paul writing to this wonderful church in Ephesus. So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to a sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Paul's not exactly being polite here, is he? A bit offensive, actually, if you hear that. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I'm going to stop there. There's a lot more of this to come, but wow, what amazing that, amazing truth that is to us. Holy Spirit, I want to ask right now, come and blow. Come and, come and make this alive. I pray, Lord, that the words that sometimes are a bit confusing, the words that maybe we don't kind of readily understand, just let them come alive right now. <laughs> let my words come alive right now. I just want to pray, change us. Change us, Lord. Let the Holy Spirit blow powerfully upon us and change us. Let the words of life release us again in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you, as we get into this chapter and the next chapters, you need to read alongside it chapters 1 to 3. Context is everything. If you take just these chapters without reading 1 to 3, all you'll end up with is a list of do's and don'ts. A list of rules, so it seems, that at the best will make you look better on the outside, but will have nothing to do of changing you on the inside. And at the worst, it will just make Christianity look like any other well-meaning religion or kind of philosophy of life, self-help therapy, whatever you want to call it. It'll make it just look like that and be no different. It'll be all, as it were, just like any other religion, anything else that you want to live to kind of make you a better person. Christianity is not self-improvement. It's not even seven steps. Why it's always seven steps, I have no idea. But seven steps to a better you. It's not what you do to make yourself better before the living God. It's about being born anew. It's a new you made in the image of Jesus Christ. You are born again 
into him. His life enters you and revives you. And if you don't get that, what we're going to do in these next few chapters is just going to be religion to you. And God deliver us from religion. It's about relationship with Jesus. You know, when we talk about revival, and we've been talking about it a lot recently because we just believe that that's what God is beginning to ignite. That's what he's doing and he's going to do in this land. You know, some of the definitions of revival are to live again, to be awakened from death, to be reborn, to be renewed, to be revitalized, to be resurrected. It's what happens to you, not what you just happen to do. It's what happens to you. Jesus happens to you. Jesus breaks in to all that you are. And therefore, because of that, this is what Paul says, change your clothes. Hold on. Where does that come from? Change your clothes. That's what Paul says. You know, with great authority, I'll I'll explain that in a moment. With great authority from the Lord, Paul says that revival, that new birth, has to change the way that you live. This isn't just a little thing. It's vital to everything that we get to do as Christians. That's what he says in verse 17. He says, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. He's not playing games here. He's saying, look, this is so important. No longer live as the Gentiles do. Or literally, no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. Now, just need to understand what the Gentiles mean here, because Paul uses it a little bit differently to how sometimes he's used it in the past. When we think of Gentiles normally, we think of those that are not Jews. So we talk about Jews and Gentiles, those that Jews follow the way of Judaism, and Gentiles that don't. But actually, what Paul is doing here, he's not talking about Gentiles like that. He's talking about anybody, Jew or Gentile, that isn't a follower of Jesus. He's talking about anybody that doesn't have Jesus at the center of their life. That is what he's talking about when he says the way of walking as Gentiles do. We we could use terms like pagan, but even that doesn't quite get it because it's any lifestyle. It's not just about debased lifestyle, although that's included in it. Any lifestyle that doesn't have Jesus in it. Don't walk it. Don't do it. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, now Jesus is in you, don't live like you used to. Don't blend into the world around you. Don't look the same. Be the same. Speak the same. Act the same. Don't do it. Walk as Jesus, he's in you. Let his life and his character flow out of you. And so here's the first challenge. Here's the first challenge this morning. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or let me put it another way. If looking like Jesus was a crime, would you be convicted? I don't mean just what you look like on the outside. 
I mean, what flows out of you? It's quite interesting, actually. Um, as you may or may not know, you will now know, we've become grandparents. And I think there might be a picture. Is there a picture? It might even come up. You never know. There he is. That is our little grandson. His name is Micah George. And he is such a munchie. He really is. And I know I'm biased, but I do so love that little boy. He's wonderful. But you know, when you have a baby, what happens? All the photos come out. All the photos from the past. And so um, we're, we're trying to think, well, who does he look like? Where does he come from? So I think there's another photograph. Now look at that. That is my son, Simon, Micah's dad. Just look at that. Isn't that incredible? I was going to show you a photograph of me. I'll tell you what, it's frightening. <laughs> I thought that would be too traumatizing. But you know what? You can see the family resemblance. You can see where it's all come from. And what Paul's actually saying is this. Now you've been born into the family of God. Now you've been born into Christ. That's who you should look like. Your photograph needs to reflect who Jesus is. So I want to ask you again. We've been talking a lot about this, haven't we, over the last few weeks? When people meet you, what do they get? When they see you, who do they see? When you speak, whose words do they hear? You're of the family of Jesus. That's who you are. That's your identity. And that's the picture of what Paul is trying to paint here. I want to use another illustration from the Gospels. You may remember in John chapter 11, the story, the true story of Jesus calling Lazarus back to life. Some of you may not know that story, but simply this. Lazarus was a fantastic friend of Jesus, had sisters Martha and Mary, and he got sick, and Lazarus died. And Jesus knew that he was sick, but didn't get to where Lazarus was until after he died. And of course, when he gets to where Lazarus and the family are, Lazarus is in the tomb. There's lots of mourning going on, but this is... An amazing, amazing story because Jesus just moved with great compassion. He calls Lazarus out of the tomb. He goes up to the tomb, says that the stone should be rolled away. And he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes back to life. And Lazarus walks out. Well, I say walks out. He couldn't walk out. Because he was wrapped in all the death clothes. And actually what Jesus has to say to those that are with him. Take the death clothes off him. Because he can't walk. He's trapped. He's alive. But he's still got the death clothes on. And he needs to be freed. And I really think that's a prophetic picture of what Paul He's trying to say in this passage. He's saying that Jesus 
has called you out. He's called you and made you alive. But some of us are still wearing the death clothes. We're still wearing, as it were, the things of our old life. There's things that we still haven't let go of. They're still clinging on to us. They're wrapped around us. And you know what? The thing about death clothes in this day is that if it's wrapped around your face, you can't see. If it's wrapped around your legs, it traps you up. It trips you up. And if it's wrapped around you, you can't be, you can't move and be the person that you should be. And it's true for us. If we are still wearing the trappings of the person that we once were, it's going to trip us up. And Paul is saying, come on, church. They've got to go. And it can go because Jesus has made it possible for it to go. You don't have to wear those things anymore. You may remember that, that Paul started the chapter talking about unity in the church, didn't he? Talked about us being united together. Let me tell you, unity is undermined when we do not live as the people that we should be because of Christ and what he's done. And so when we still wear the death clothes, it undermines the unity of God's people. Let me, let me kind of use a very graphic illustration. I mean, it's going to be very graphic, but I want to make the point. If I, and God forbid that I ever do this, but if I committed adultery, I had an affair with another woman, not my wife, another woman, That doesn't just affect me or that other woman. That has an impact upon my lovely wife, on my children, on the friends that loved us, friends that know the person that's involved. It potentially has the ability to break the marriage. In fact, it does break the marriage. And it means, therefore, that all your time and your focus, your money, your resources, gets poured into sorting out divorce. Sorting out how it all gets worked through. All the hurt, all the pain that your children feel because your, your mum and dad are no longer together. The damage that it causes. And then... As a church leader, the reputation of Jesus that is pulled through the mud, the damage that it would cause to every single one of you here because I was the leader and I did that. And suddenly, can you see how one thing, it's not just about me, it's not just about my little life, it's the damage that it causes to the whole body. Now, I've used a pretty extreme case Every time we continue to live with the death rags around us, it undermines, it undermines the unity of God's people. And it stops the purposes of Jesus. Not ultimately, because Jesus is king. But it, do you know what I'm saying? We get a part to play in that, and we miss out. And this is why Paul is saying, come on, you can be different. You can live differently. Does that kind of make sense, church? Come on, are you with me? Is it too hot in here? Do we need to open some doors? I just, look, 
guys, this is, I'm not here just to make a nice message. This has got to have impact on your lives. This is serious stuff. Paul goes on to talk a little bit about those old rags. And he, as I said, he's not very polite about it, is he? he? He talks about the rags or the life that people used to live as being futile, dark, lifeless, ignorant, hard-hearted, insensitive. Do you know, some of us are feeling, goodness me, that's very difficult, isn't it? I don't think I'm like that. But do you know, that's how we used to be. And that's how anybody, actually, who who seeks to ignore Jesus, ultimately ends up. Not everybody does that willingly, but unconsciously, rejecting Jesus leads you into that place. Sometimes people do willingly reject Jesus. They know, they know about Jesus, but they still choose to reject him. That takes us to this place that Paul talks about. Ignorance and hard-heartedness. That's where we are outside of Jesus. And what we need is to have our hearts softened. And that's what Jesus has done. That's what the Holy Spirit has done. Made it possible for us to respond again to the life that God has. And I, and I just want to say this because I, I know that some of you are wrestling with where you stand before Jesus. You're asking the questions, is this, is this real? Is this I want to say to you, let your heart be softened right now by the Holy Spirit. Don't be hard-hearted. Don't let that make you, as Paul defines it, ignorant. Now, that might sound offensive. I'm not talking about how clever you are. Because you see, there's some very clever people, intellectually, who are ignorant of Jesus. They're hard-hearted towards him. I want to say to you right now, don't let your heart be hard towards Jesus and what he's saying right now. I want to release that into you, even this morning. Release that into you right now. I realize this is, this is, not, this is not fun stuff, is it, on one level? But you know, this is where we start to get into the good stuff. Because, you see, as God works in us, as Christ comes in and softens us, you need to understand that for these Ephesian Christians, that's what he did. They were in a, in a city that was really, really pagan, into all sorts of abuses, and yet God, through the Holy Spirit, broke into their lives. And as we read in Acts chapter 19, thousands got saved. Paul did extraordinary miracles. His preaching was anointed. Thousands came to Christ. As a result of it, they burned all sorts of former activities, scrolls that they were involved with in magic and dark arts, all that stuff. It changed them totally. So what he's saying is, this is possible for you and me to be totally changed, to be totally transformed. And what we read here is that we need to get rid of the death rags, to get rid of those clothes, to change our clothes. This is what we read in verse 20. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. But that isn't what you learnt about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learnt the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, 
which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So how do we, how do we kind of live in the good of this? Well, we learn Christ, we hear Jesus, we learn the truth that comes in Christ. The words that are used there are learn, hear, and learn in Christ. And that's the way that we, we shed off this old nature. We get our gaze on Jesus. We focus on him. We keep pressing in and learning about him and what he's done for us. You know, we don't just start with Jesus and then move on to other things. Jesus is the foundation, and he's also the, the substance. He's the building that we live in. He is the one that is our focus in every way. And the truth is this. What you look at as a Christian determines what you become. And so what we're called to do to throw off the old nature is not to be focused on the old nature, but to be focused on Jesus. It's not kind of focusing on all the bad stuff. It's focusing on Jesus. That's the way out of it. It's not about beating ourselves up with all the things that we do wrong. It's actually looking to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I want to learn your ways. I want to know you. I want you to be at the center of all that I am. And so every day, we fix our eyes on Jesus. That's the way out of this old nature. We've, we've been set free. We have it. But we cast off those old clothes by looking at Jesus. Remember a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about just a bit of the vision for what we're into as a church. I gave you, if you remember, those four points of Evan Roberts. Do you remember that? Those four points I talked about us getting rid of any sins that we knew that were wrong and forgiving others that had sinned against us. Remember that? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. Talked about getting rid of habits that we, we felt uncomfortable with, that we, we didn't know whether they were right or wrong, but maybe they felt a bit dubious. Get rid of them. We talked about obeying the Holy Spirit promptly in everything that he did. And we talked, the final thing, about publicly confessing Jesus Christ every day. Do you remember those things, some of you that were here? That final point, publicly confessing Jesus, living in the good of him, learning about him, understanding who he is, getting our gaze on him, that's the thing that kills the old nature. And I want to encourage us to get our gaze upon Jesus. And then that starts to take the death rags off us. It starts to take it off us. Reading and learning his word shows us what we need to be so we let go of the things that we don't need. I, um, I was reading of someone this week who found a sign on some underwear that they'd bought in the United States and a little label that was on it said... For best results, change daily. For best results, change daily. I thought that was amazing that you needed some instructions about how to use underwear. But I suppose that could be true for some of us, I suppose. But do you know what? There's some good advice there, isn't there? Um, some of you know that 
um, I don't play at the moment, but many, many months ago, I did play squash quite a lot, and a number of you play squash here. And I don't know whether you've ever had this experience, that you, um, you turn up, play squash, have a great game, you're all hot and sweaty after your game of squash, you have a shower, and then you have that horrible moment when you get to your bag, and you suddenly realise you haven't bought a pair of spare underpants. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? Have you been there, some of you? You know how that is. I was going to show a picture, but I thought that probably would be, that would be kind of damaging beyond anything. Um, at that moment, you have, a, you, have a, you have a choice to make. I'll tell you what choice I made. I didn't put them back on, all right? And the truth is, this is what Paul is saying, that when you know what Jesus has cleaned you up from, when you know what he's cleaned you up to be, how can you, when you've had that shower, when you've had that, that refreshing, you know, we talked about baptism, didn't we, a few weeks ago, when you've been baptised, when you've professed Christ, when you've gone that way, how can you then, as it were, pick up the dirt and horrible clothes that you've just taken off and put them back on again? How can you do it? The thought of it is very, very uncomfortable, isn't it? And that's what Paul is saying here. Focus on me. Know what I am. And you'll want to take off the things that are no longer part of this life. Notice I'm not saying to you, do this, don't do that. That's what Jonathan's going to do next week. <laughs> As he picks up some of the other applications of this. Focus on Jesus. And then there's one final thing as we come into land. Paul talks about being renewed in the attitude of your mind. Did you read that bit? Renewed in the attitude of your mind. You see, we have the responsibility when we focus on Jesus to take off the things, to put off the old self and to put on the new self, which Jesus has made for us to put on. But we have to be renewed in the attitude of our mind. And that's the job of the Holy Spirit. So you need the Holy Spirit to keep filling you and keep resting on you. You know, at the moment, we are making lots of space for the Holy Spirit to encounter us. And some of you might be thinking, why on earth are we doing that? Because I know, but I know, but I know that is the only way that we get to change. And later on in Ephesians chapter 5, he's going to say, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Go on being filled with the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, it says, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the sinful nature. In other words, you won't, you won't get pulled into the things that are the death clothes. You won't start putting them back on again. That's what he's saying. And so, alongside focusing on Jesus, which is all part of the same thing, we welcome the Holy Spirit. We let him come and fill us. We let him come and change our minds. We let him come and, and impact us and change us from the inside out. You know, when I came back from Bogota in the summer, I, for those of you who don't know, I, I had a trip to an amazing church in Colombia, which had been in revival for 25 years plus, 
amazing things. Pick really just something of the heart again for a move of God, anointing of God for this nation. But when I came back, I really felt God challenged me about how I live in terms of welcoming the Spirit. And so every day since then, I'm pretty, pretty sure I have, actually, on this occasion. Every day, I start the day by welcoming the Holy Spirit into every part of me. Welcoming the Holy Spirit into every part of my life, into my family, into my marriage, into my children, into the church. I start the day there because I know I need to be renewed in my mind and in my thinking. I've started to live that way. And then the other thing that God said to me is that what you receive, you give away. So what you welcome, you give. I welcome the Spirit and I seek every day to give away something of what he has put into me. And as I do that, it's almost like this, this fire of God keeps igniting, keeps on changing people, keeps on doing things. The kingdom expands. And guess what? The death rags stay off. I'm different. I'm not boasting about this. There's still much stuff for me to learn and still for much stuff for me to get clean off. But it's affected even crazy things like how I drive the car, how I watch the television, how I kind of feel about other people and the attitudes that I have towards them. And I believe it's the Holy Spirit. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit renewing my mind, empowering me to be different. Church, that's what we need to be. That's how we live. That's how we live. Can we stand up? Just want to give some space. I, actually, I, would it be good if can we have just have the band back? I I, I know I haven't chosen a song, but I'd, I'd love us to worship actually at the end of this. I just feel that would be really helpful to do. I just want to give a moment too for the Holy Spirit to come and just soften hearts. I really feel. Sometimes we've lived in a place for so long, our hearts almost become hardened to anything that is good for us. I just want to invite Holy Spirit right now. Will you come and soften our hearts again? Lord, where we've become insensitive, where we've become almost ignorant in the sense of not being aware of you in the way that we once did. Or maybe not at all. I just want to pray. Will you soften hearts right now? Soften my heart, Lord. Take away my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh right now. And I just want to invite you. If as I've been speaking this morning, you're aware of some of the death rags that you're still kind of tripping over every day. What I want you to do is, I want you first of all to turn your eyes back on Jesus. I want you to lift your eyes to him on the cross for you. 
and to recognize that he has made a way for you to step out of those death rags and into the freedom again of being in his family, being a, a child of the heavenly father that he's brought you to. And so I proclaim right now in the name of Jesus, cleansing and forgiveness over every life right now that knows the grip of death rags right now. And Lord Jesus, we say, I, I, I just need to get on my knees before you, and I say, Lord Jesus, right now, I am sorry where I've, I've still continued to let those things of my old life get in the way of my new life. And I am sorry, Lord, that I have not always been concerned to do anything about it. But right now, I hear your words, and I say, will you change my heart? Will you renew my thinking? Will you let me see again how I can be free in you? Holy Spirit, will you release in me freedom again to change from where I am? And if that's you, I, I, I just want to give you opportunity just to receive where you are. Holy Spirit, will you come and rest on this room right now? Come and rest on each person. And I, I just believe that there are some here today who, who know that they need, they need this. They, they, they've been in that place far away from Jesus. And maybe just today, I just know that he's been knocking on the door and he's been saying, come on, let me in. Let me in. Let me in. And if that's you, I want to invite you to grab this moment right now and say, Jesus, 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 forgive me. Jesus, I surrender. I surrender my proud and arrogant ways. And I say, I want you. Will you cleanse me? Will you make me new? Let me be fresh. And brand new before you. Just give you a moment right now to do business with the Lord. I could get you to come forward, but I just don't think that's where it needs to be today. Where you are, I want to invite you to do business with the living God. Jesus, I pray. Let us walk like you. Let's put on that new self that's like you. I pray, release us into your freedom and into your blessing. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for this amazing grace. Thank you for this amazing opportunity. Just come and fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit now. Keep changing us. Mm -hmm.